The questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. What you believe to be true, is it really true? Or have you just accepted it at face value because it's what you were taught and have never looked any further into it? There is a wealth of evidence back in the idea that giants were once a part of this world, found in photographs, mythological stories, religious records, archaeological finds, and architectural structures. Tonight's special guest will add a valuable piece to this portfolio of proof. Throughout history, our comprehension of the physical world has undergone numerous modifications. It's natural to disregard ideas that seem absurd with a casual gesture, but it's something altogether different to assess the objective world, free from any pre-established beliefs. Thousands of years ago, there were people who were much larger than the average human today. These giants had a significant influence on the cultures of the time. Legends described them as powerful, wise, and sometimes even immortal. They were regarded as heroes, gods, and demigods, depending on the culture. Archaeological evidence of their existence can still be found all around the world. From the ruins of ancient temples and cities to the artifacts that have been unearthed, there are numerous stories of these giants in ancient texts and myths, and they were often seen as symbols of strength and power. In some cases, it is even believed that these giants may have been the source of some of the ancient civilization's most advanced technologies. There are also accounts of the giants interacting with humans, either as friends or enemies. As technology and science continue to advance, more evidence of the existence of these giants is being discovered. We can now look back at the past and more accurately assess the impact that these giants had on the cultures of the time. In many cases, it can be seen that the giants played a role in shaping the world that we know today, from the construction of monuments to the introduction of new technologies. There is even the possibility that these giants may have been the originators of modern-day ethnic customs. The idea of giant beings existing in the past may seem outlandish and absurd, but it is important to objectively evaluate the evidence that exists in its support. You are listening to Veritas. If this is your first time listening, welcome home. To listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, join the Veritas family and click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for Focus Life Force Energy. Get a 15-day free trial of FLFE today. We also have rebounders, pure organic sulfur, flash drives with all our Veritas and Sanitas seasons, and other great products. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. And now, here's your host, Mel Hasselrick. Mike Wilkerson has always had an act for asking unconventional questions. As a teen computer hobbyist, turned hacker in the early 80s, his thirst for knowledge led to wild adventures with some of the top hackers in the nation. But in 1985, the fun ended in a brief incarceration after being caught for his infiltration of computer servers at Microsoft and three other Seattle area companies. 
Though he has walked the straight and narrow since then, Mike's propensity towards questioning the unquestionables has never waned. In the decades that followed, he morphed from a mischievous hacker to a benevolent backcracker. For over a decade now, Mike has lived and worked as a chiropractor on the Costa Blanca in Spain, where his mission is to improve the health of the world one spine and mind at a time. Mike is a father of two and an avid hiker, health crusader, artist, budding author, and mapper of rabbit holes. He is also a purveyor of the nascent academic disciplines of biogeology and titanology. As a part-time independent researcher, Mike has focused primarily on alternative history, non-standard cosmologies, catastrophism, and rapid petrification. He considers himself a cross-disciplinary field researcher. His YouTube channel is Stellium7, S-T-E-L-L-I-U-M-7. And directly from Costa Blanca, Alicante, Spain, I would like to welcome, for the first time on Veritas, Mike Wilkerson. Hello, Mike, and welcome. How are you? Hi, I'm Al. I'm doing great. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. My pleasure. And by the way, I, I want to say thank you to all of you guests who come on this program. It's very late where you are and you're still up, but you told me that you still have a lot of energy. So I'm looking forward to this. So I don't need to remind our audience that uh, we must open our minds to what we're going to discuss tonight, folks. And I say this because our education or indoctrination is what is responsible or for closing our minds. You have two degrees, Mike, and you are very familiar with the scientific method and it's okay to be skeptical, but I would encourage that folks suspend your judgment and consider the possibilities. For, for those people who don't know who you are, I've already read your bio. You had a, a stint with law enforcement many years ago as a hacker. Can you give us that part of your, of your story and then how you get into what you are doing now? Yeah, briefly, uh, as a young teen, I got into computers. It was the very beginning of personal computing and, uh, telecommunications was, you know, it was all through the telephone and you put your handset on a, on a little acoustic coupler later on, you could plug it into the wall, but it was, uh, it wasn't very sophisticated like it is now, but I, I just had a, a love for technology and, and all the innovation that was taking place. And, and, uh, my curiosity got me into trouble because I was looking for all sorts of subversive information after a while and, and, uh, wanted to understand the inner workings of how the telephone system worked and, uh, whatever else I could, uh, I could learn. What year was this, Mike? Uh, the year that I was caught was 1985, and um, the court case took about a year, and uh, it uh, it ended in 86, and I was convicted of uh, four counts of illegal computer trespass in the state of Washington. I was living in uh, in in Kirkland at the time, close to close to Seattle, and um, there were four different companies that I was tried with for for infiltrating and that was Microsoft, a subsidiary of Boeing, Kenworth Trucking and um, another called Resources Conservation Company. Oh, uh, Sunstrand as well. <laughs> it's interesting you said so, 1985 because that's when I had my first computers, Commodore 64 and 128 and I used to contact so many BBS uh, you probably remember that, Bolivian boards and accessing yep. all the conspiracies and I was giving telephone numbers to call and try to get into certain things that I'm not going to discuss here because I don't want anybody to be looking at that. But that started me too. I I, I never was, you know, 
oh, I didn't go through what you went through. But I remember downloading all this stuff at night with a modem that had to be connected to, you know, you can get the phone and put it on top of the modem. And I remember I had a dog at the time, and if the dog barked, the whole communication would break, and all those things would break, and I would have to call again. You probably remember those times. Definitely. Yeah, it was, it was fun. Uh, similar to what I'm doing now, really. It, we We were hacking the telephone system in different ways. There were all kinds of different techniques and devices that had been developed to, to, uh, be able to make free calls and conference calls. And, uh, so, so long before there were forums and, and the kinds of things that people are, uh, engaging with now, we were, uh, all staying up all night long as teens talking to each other across the nation and, and sharing, uh, tips and, and, uh, different techniques for, for having fun. So. Yeah. I remember friends, uh, calling them, calling each other worldwide because they would tap into the phone companies at night and, uh, would try to extract the passwords, but I'm not going to get into that right now. We're going to do a show in the future. Once you have a book that you're working on about your history and all the good things that you're doing now, uh, hackers from heaven is one thing that's happening out there where they're tracking missing children. So you have transmuted that into good, and I'm so glad to hear. But tonight we're here for a different reason. For the past, I would say, two, three years, I've been provided so much information, Mike, that when I look at things that before I I didn't look at, for example, architecture, before I would say these are very ornate, very nice buildings, but they don't seem to fit in here. And that's one thing that everyone can recognize. But then you start looking at what now when I go through the United States countryside and I see that these big stumps, what they look like stumps, and then you see mountains, when you start looking at them in a different way, it's almost like somebody's sleeping there. And you see the eyes, you see the nose, you see the facial expression. But you have taken this to the next level. Tell me how you got into this research now. Well, it was really a, a conglomeration of a whole bunch of different threads that I'd been looking at. Uh, one of them was just alternative cosmologies in general and looking at how much of what we're told about the universe and and where we live is is accurate and uh this ties into everything because it ties into the age of of the world that we're in this ties into geology uh all sorts of different uh subjects with regards um sorry lost Lost my train of thought there. A little nervous, uh, to be honest. Um, yeah, uh, it was it was looking at geology, looking at something called mud fossils, which was a, a YouTube channel that I ran across, where the Roger Spur was talking about the idea that petrification could happen a lot faster than than we ever realized, and um, that was that was a new idea for me because I I'd studied. Uh, different subjects in, in high school and again in college and never really looked at the mountains and the rocks with, with, uh, new eyes, so to speak, because I was never particularly interested. I was always interested in the future. I was interested in what was, what was coming. And I, I just thought we're, we're at the pinnacle of evolution and the world is, is, you know, everything's pointing towards the future. I was a big lover of sci-fi Star Wars and Star Trek and all these kinds of shows as a kid. And so 
looking at the past or looking at rocks or archaeology or any of these kinds of subjects, it was really just about the most boring thing that I could imagine. And, uh, and so about four years ago, coming across the idea of mud fossils, watching another video uh, by a channel called Wakey Wakey, where he was digging into different ways in which the, the, the narratives that had to do with geology, things like our, uh, the different systems that were used for dating and determining how old things were, that maybe not all of that science was truly settled as we're taught, and, uh, and that things might not be uh, as, as old as we were taught, because they're often talking in, in timelines that have to do with hundreds of millions of years, talk about the earth being over 4 billion years old and that they can see back to the beginning of time and that the universe is 16 billion years old. All of these kinds of things I just took for granted as true. Cause I figured, you know, we've, we've been to the moon and we've been to space and, and, uh, and so, you know, it's, it's moving forward and we've got to figure out how to get off this rock before we get hit by a rock you know, that sort of thing. And, uh, so I also, I have a very, uh, unusual best friend. His, his name is Alex Michael. He's also known as a conspiracy music guru. Oh, he's a some friend too. The, yeah. So, some know him as the flat earth man. Yeah. And, um, so we've known each other now for about five years and he was the one who first, uh, hit me with the idea that the earth might not be what I was taught to believe it was. And so we had lots of debates going back and forth and I tried to shoot down his ideas one by one, but, um, he countered with a whole lot of very empirical factual based information that had to do with different scientific experiments. And, and I was like, well, what about, you know, our moon landings and what about all the satellites floating around up there? And what about the ISS? And, you know, there's live streams from the ISS and there's satellites floating in space that we use with our phones. And so I thought he was absolutely nuts. And up until he brought that up, I thought he was an incredibly intelligent guy. And we had been kind of checking off the the different rabbit holes we'd been down one by one and, and, uh, you know, really connected well. And then he brought that up and I thought, Hmm, I need to really, uh, rethink, this guy, because if he's willing to believe something that absurd, then he's willing to believe absolutely everything. And if you believe absolutely everything, then you believe nothing. And um, so it took a while before I actually went and tried to uh, research things and debunk debunk it. But um, now my my conception of cosmology of the world is is a lot different. I don't think we're on a a flat disc that's floating out in space. I think it's something far more complex than that. I don't know what it is. Uh, I think we're in, in some kind of a realm, in a system, uh, probably in, enclosed. And so when you start to ponder those kinds of ideas, and being a, I'm a chiropractor by trade, and so being being a chiropractor, I'm, I'm aware of the different ways in which um, st- the, the stories that we're told about our reality are not always matching reality, and uh, and there's a lot of funny business when it comes to what we're what we're taught to believe. So, as you know well on this channel, you're <laughs> you've been studying the funny business for over a decade. So, by the way, yeah. there's nothing to be nervous about. I mean, you're talking to a friend, really, and we are very open-minded here. We discuss every topic, and I'm not here to, to debunk anyone. And, you know, I've watched all your videos, as I mentioned before we began at this morning, and I appreciate your research. But let me just say what I, in different words, what I said earlier on, 
for years now, Mike. I've been observing my surroundings with new eyes. Architecture, to me, is the most obvious since it's man-made buildings that today's architectures, you know, architects claim they can't replicate due to lack of funding. Artisans are not around to do it. They say that it's out of style, but yet they were erected in a time with a fraction of our economic prowess. Equipment, uh, you know, or so-called technological advances, we didn't have any of that. You know, horse and buggies. I say so-called because when you compare these old buildings, you know, built with material that hardened with time, Unlike today's, they were so ornate and incredibly pleasing to the eye. We know something changed, but there's another part of this spectrum into all these unknowns that once you start paying attention, you can't ignore. And I'm referring again to what seems to be petrified trees, petrified animals. And yes, the one aspect the Smithsonian and history books do not mention. And if they do, they do it in the forms of in the form of legends. I'm referring to giants or titans. It literally challenges the very foundations of geology, Mike. Yeah, it, it turns it on its head. And uh, it doesn't mean that there isn't a lot of truth in geology. And obviously, there's all kinds of different experimentation that's that's done and instruments that can be used to, to look at things in different ways. So, you know, it's not that you would throw all, all of that out if uh, if the kinds of things that I've been talking about are true or, or other channels that have... Uh, done investigations into things like you mentioned the giant trees or, um, you know, just th this idea of, of rapid petrification, instant petrification, uh, mud fossils. These are, these are all very fascinating ideas, but all of them, uh, would require a complete rewrite of many of the ologies because as soon as you start to tug at the threads of one of the ologies, it overlaps and, and dovetails with other other disciplines. So you've got to start to examine those as well. It's a very exciting time because there's so much that's being uncovered and rediscovered and, and things that we thought and that were, were truths and took for granted uh, are, we're finding out are, are not necessarily true at all. By the way, Roger Spur was in this program not too long ago, maybe a year or two, I believe, but he did tell hmm. me, and I'll say this on the air, he did tell me before we began, I wanted only to discuss mud flood, but he said, please do not ask me about flat earth. I don't go there. I don't believe in it. And I respect his his, his decision and his position. I discuss both parts. I discuss the, yeah. the globe and I discuss the flat earth. I mean, it's up to the listeners. I am a journalist. I get out of the way. And I've... I've posted pictures here. I have a home in Mexico on the beach there. And I posted pictures of a landmass 89 miles away that I can see perfectly clear in the afternoons, only in the afternoons. And I've talked to captains and boats and I say, can you look over there? Can you tell me what that is? And, oh, that's, that's uh, Baja, California. And I say, well, how many miles away? Well, that's about 90 miles away from here. How is it possible yeah. that we can see from top to bottom? And it's always the deer in the headlights stare. It's like, why are you asking me this? Are you saying that the, that the earth is flat? And I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying science says that there's a formula that tells you that anything that goes beyond the horizon should fall X number of feet. And we can perfectly see from top to bottom. We can even see lights at night. Why? And the same thing has happened in, in you know, in Spain. In, in in Michigan, I believe, they can see the, the Chicago skyline. So these are questions that people don't answer. And what does a meteorologist say? Oh, that's a mirage. You've probably heard that before. Yeah, absolutely. There's, yeah, I mean, we're taught boats go over the horizon in school, and that that's 
easily proven false nowadays by modern cameras, cameras because yeah. the zooms are so. Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.